All right, Jim, we'll say, ooh, wow, that is powerful. All right, good morning, everyone. Good morning, good tovach. Hopefully everyone had a beautiful, uplifting, and incredible Shabbos, and great Zuchos Baruch Hashem to begin a new week of Limud together. Begin by thanking all of our sponsors. Oh, thank you, Rishon. To thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Adar. Our Stephen Terry Zinn for dedicating all the Shem this month in memory of Terry's father, Harry Khan C. Hirsch Ben Yosef Akoin. Paul and Kathy Pollock for dedicating all the Shem this month in memory of Paul's grandparents, Zachariah Ben Zachariah and Dina Bas Pesach. To thank our week of learning sponsors, Gabi, and, sorry, our Dafyomi sponsors for today, Gabi and Shana Cohn, for dedicating the generation of the yard site of Alvin Cohn, Abram Ben Rabiakov Hakoin, and Ellen Khan Zager in memory of Sami Khan, Shlomo, Shlomo Ben Rabdavid Hakoin Zichon Libracha. We have that in the merit of our Talmud Torah. All of the Neshamas will have an Aliyah and the families in Nechama. With that, let us begin. Today's Daf is Nun Hey 55, and we are actually picking up. Mamish at the top, top line of 55A. So if you remember again, the Mishnah that we did in yesterday's daf, on Nundalan Nundalan, we went on to Nundalan base, spoke about the different Tuma exposures, which do not require a Nazir to start all over again. Right? Remember again, in the Mishnah before, we spoke about all the different Tuma exposures, which require a Kohen, sorry, require a Nazir to go ahead and restart his Ned and First of all, shave, bring Carbonos, and restart. Here, this Mishnah is a list of Tumas, types of Tuma, where even if there is an exposure, it does not require the Nazir to go ahead and start all over again. Good. One of the things that the Mishnah listed was Eretz HaAmi. If Halach HaLamaisa, a Nazir, goes out of Eretz Yisrael, and he ventures into one of the foreign lands, foreign definition of Eretz Ha'amim is anywhere outside of Eretz Yisrael. So by definition, again, there's Tumah on Eretz Ha'amim. That will say, so if a Nazir were to go outside of Eretz Yisrael, and to go into one of the lands, he would not have to go ahead and restart his Nedrin Azirus. Now, why is that? So this one is a little bit easier, because this is a Rebbeic Tumah. So remember again, because it's a Rabbinic Tumah, there is no such thing as the Tumah of Eretz Ha'amim Midda Oraisa. There's only the Tumah ultimately Midrabana. Now we'll say, what is the source of that rabbinic Tumah for Eretz Ha'amid? So this is what we saw at the end of yesterday's that This is a fundamental Machlokas. What's the Machlokas? Is it Mishum Gusha or Mishum Avira? Mishum Gusha literally means because of the land. Meaning what? There is a legitimate concern of unmarked graves. That's it. And therefore, again, if literally, again, the, the, in, the, in the Amin, the nations of the world were not as makbed. Remember, I will say, we cloud Israel. We're careful to mark graves. Why? Why? Kahuna. Right? Kahuna. And also, Tara for the Beis Amikdash. In other words, for us, Tumen Tara, it sounds like a strange thing, I was going to say, for us, Tumen Tara plays a major role in our daily lives. So, so the truth is, again, Truth is, it actually felt that way over the last couple of weeks, right? In Dafyomi, right? But Lamais again with the Beis Hamikdash, with the Beis Hamikdash. So ultimately, Tumantara is is bread and butter, right? It's bread and butter. Everything is governed by Tumantara. So therefore, again, we're makbed to mark graves in the Eretz Hamikdash. That's Mishum Gusha. Other possibility was Mishum Aviro, which means what? The air, the air itself is matame. And I will say, what does that mean? So in general, what that would mean was Chazal did not want Jews leaving Eretz Yisrael. Did they want Jews living in Eretz Yisrael? And therefore, what's the best way to get a Jew not to leave Eretz Yisrael? Say that, you know what? The air is coming. The air, the, the air itself. In other words, just, just going outside of Eretz Yisrael, by definition, confers upon one a certain level of Torah. I was thinking about this. 
you know, it's interesting. It's interesting. Like, hashkafically, what's the difference between avira and gusha? So I'll say, if you think about it like this, if this is the way, this is the way Chazal are expressing to us that there's a danger in living outside of Eretz Yisrael. There's a danger. There is, there's an exit. We're not used to thinking this way because we're 2,000 years into diaspora. But if you think about it for just a moment, there's a danger, Chazal was telling us, for the Jew to live outside of Eretz Yisrael. So the Shaila is, what's the danger? Is it Mishum Gusha or Mishum Avira? Gusha means Gashmias, the earth. Maybe the danger of being a diaspora Jew is the lure of material pleasure and wealth. Because the truth is, Baruch Hashem, there's plenty of it. Plenty of it. So maybe that's the concern of living outside of Eretz Yisrael. Other possibility is Mishum Avira. Mishum Avira means what I will say. That the danger of living outside of Eretz Yisrael, it's the Avir. Avira is Ruchnius. That maybe it's the spiritual impact of living outside the land of Israel. Of being bombarded with so many influences and so many isms and so many movements that are simply contrary to what and who we are, to what we believe. So you see in this again, not just a halachic debate, but a hashkafic debate as well as to the danger of chutzlar. It's gusha, is it gashmius, materialism, or avira, ultimately again, is it the impact it has on our ruchmius? So the Gemara says, Tapa Muneh, tanoi. So the truth is, this is a machlokes tanoi. So I'm not going to the house, Rabbi Osai. Hanichnas, we've actually seen this case a number of times before. Hanichnas, Le'eret Sa'amim, Bishida Tevel Migdas. We'll say, watch this. A guy goes into, goes, leaves Eretz Yisrael, enters into the lands of the nations of the world, and he's sitting in a Shida Tevel Migdal, in a carriage, a trunk, or a chest. Okay, don't ask why. He just, that's where he is. Right? So he's inside, he's essentially, we'll say, he's inside a container. He's inside a container. Now, we'll say, now what's Talacha? So, we'll say, so now if you think about it, just, what, now what's the imagery over here? What's the imagery? He is going ahead and he's in a sealed container, right? And he is going through Eretz Amin. So, we'll say, so now the Shaila is what's going to be the impact of that trip through Eretz Amin on him. Rabbi Matami, Rabbi says he's Tomei. Rabbi Yosef Yehuda Matar, Rabbi Yosef Yehuda says he's Tar. He's Tar. So, we'll say, so what's the Machlokas? My love. Rebbe suffered Mishum Avira, so we'll say it must be Rebbe who holds that his tummy is because he holds that it's Avira. It's even the airspace of Eretz Ha'amim that is Mitami. See, even though this guy has never actually set foot on the ground of Chutz La'aretz, the mere fact that he's being transported through the airspace, through the air of Chutz La'aretz, is enough to convey him with a certain level of Tumah. Rabbi Yosef Yehuda Sabar Mishum Gusha. On the other hand, who says that he's tar, says that no. The gzera of Eretz Ha'amim is on what? Gusha. It's on the earth itself. Therefore, we'll say in this case, did the guy ever set foot on the ground? No. He's in a container. He's in a sealed container. So the Mahal suggests you see from here, you see from here that what? That the nature of the Tum of Chutz La'aretz is a machlokes tanoim. Rebbe holding that the Tum of Chutz La'aretz is even on the Avir, that's why even if you go in a sealed container, you're still going to be Tomei. Rabbi Yosef Yehuda say, no, the tomb of Eretz Amim is on the Gusha, is on the land. And therefore, if you are in a sealed container, you will remain Tar. Beautiful. To which the Gemara says, low. No, incorrect, incorrect, incorrect. Everyone actually agrees that the Tumah of Chutz is Mishum Gusha. 
is because the actual earth, brothers of say that the issue over here is one of unmarked graves, and therefore the concern is that if you walk in Chutzlarts, you may come to inadvertently walk on an unmarked grave. I suppose say, so what's the machlok? So that's the case that everyone holds Mishim Gusha. So what's the machlok? So it's fascinating. Mar Savar, Ohel Zrok Shmei Ohel, Omar Savar, Lo Shmei Ohel. I will say, this is fascinating. What's the machlokis here? The machlokis here, I will say, is if it is a movable ohel considered to be an ohel. In other words, I will say, let's, let's analyze this for just a bit. So what the Gemara is suggesting over here is like this. Everyone agrees that Allah said the challenge with Eretz Amin is Gusha. is because of the ground, because of unmarked graves. Okay, fine. So now we're settled on that. I mean, we're not. We're settled on it for two minutes. But right for this moment, we're settled on it. So I will say, so now here's what's interesting. So now let's play this out. Ruvain, we'll call him, is going through Eretz Ha'amim in a sealed container. In a sealed container. So Rebbe says, he's Tamei. Rabbi Yosef Yehuda says, he's not Tamei. So the says, what's the Machlokes? The Machlokes is, 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 is as follows. Is a movable Ohel considered to be an Ohel? And I will say, now what does that mean? You see, when Ruvain is moving over Eretz Ha'amim in a container, the shayla is, does that container act as an ohel that has the ability to block him from becoming tummy? See, I will say, I want to point something out very interesting. We normally think about an ohel, right? When we think about ohel, how do you think about ohel? Right? A house, but I'm saying, what's the context we've learned ohel in? Tumas ohel, right? Good. In other words, I will say, the context we've had ohel in is, I'm under the same roof as a mace. That's ohel. Here, the concept is being used a little bit differently. An ohel also represents a barrier. In other words, if I'm in the ohel and the mace is outside the ohel, the ohel itself could serve as a barrier, could prevent, to prevent me from becoming tame. So I will say, so everyone will agree that actually like a solid structure of a regular ohel will go ahead and prevent me from becoming tame. Here is the shayla. When you have a movable ohel, does a movable ohel have the ability to serve as a barrier in front of Tumah? So that's the shayla. So I'll say, let's play this out. So now Ruben is in a box. Essentially what he's in, Ruben's in a box. Right? So just, here, now just conjure up the following scene. Ruben's in a box. And I will say, by the way, it's actually not like a crazy case. In other words, it's just the case of a guy in a carriage on a wagon, right? He's in a wagon, but again, it's not an open wagon, it's an enclosed wagon. So if you can imagine, he's on, he's on a wagon, right? Ruben's on, Ruben's on a wagon. And he's just going through Eretz Amin, right? He goes down, right? He's traveling. And so now, so we'll say, so now the Shaila is, what's his status? What's his status? So we'll say, what does it come down to what his status is? Now, because what, what do we have to be concerned about? What, let's play this through. What's our concern? What's our concern? Tumah. Now, why would there be an issue of Tumah? He's in a wagon. Right? Because remember, the concern is he's driving over graves. Right? Tumah's mace is Allah Bokas, goes up. So, you know what He's in a wagon. The question just is is a mobile ohel considered to be a solid halachic structure, solid enough to serve as a barrier to Tumah? That's the Machogas. That's not focus. Therefore, Rebbe, who says that he's Tomei, Rebbe holds that an OL, what we call an OL Zrok, right? Ultimately, again, a movable OL, it's not called the structure. It's not called the structure. And therefore, again, it is not Chotzeit Bifnei Hatumo. 
ultimately, again, doesn't work. Doesn't work. Rabbi Yosef Yehuda, on the other hand, holds Mitair. He holds that Allah Chalamaisa, Ohel Zrog, a movable Ohel, does in fact have the ability to be chotis, to serve as a barrier b'fneitumah. Shabbos say, so in this iteration over here, everyone is agreeing that the gzera of Eretz Ha'amim is on Gusha, is on the ground, is on the ground. The case that the Gemara is bringing up over here, Nichnas La'Eretz Ha'amim, Beshida Teva Omigdal, is not a machlokes about the nature of the tomb of Eretz Ha'amim. Rather, what is it, what is it a machlokes about? Ohel Zrog, Shmei Ohel, Olav Shmei Ohel is a movable structure considered to be a bona fide structure that it could be chotzis b'fnei atumah serve as a barrier b'fnei from the tumah or not. That's the machlokes. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So I'll say, so the Lord says as follows, but one second, one second, not Tanya. But I suppose, so and therefore in this version, in this version, we're saying that according to Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda, ultimately again, he holds metair. Metair, what saying, means according to Rabbi Yehuda, the wagon is considered to be a proper barrier in front of Tumah. So Rabbi Yosef Yehuda holds that Ohel Zrok Shmei Ohel. A movable structure is still considered to be a bona fide structure so as to be able to create a barrier in front of Tumah. So the Gemara says, is that true? Now the Gemara is going to question now the position of Rabbi Yosef Yehuda. By the time we learned, Rabbi Yosef Yehuda Omer, Teba Shimalea Kalim is a very interesting case. So let's imagine the following case. You have a Teba, a chest, a chest that is filled with utensils, okay? And now what do you do? Vizarta apne hames. Now we'll say, can you imagine the final situation? You have, you have a mace, you have, you, have, you have a mace. You have a chest filled with utensils. What do you do? You take the chest and you throw it. So, that, and so where does it go? It passes over the mace, passes over the mace. So we'll say, what's the halacha? Bizarka apanea mace ba'ohel, right? And you go ahead and you could, you could take out ohel. The Agos at Siyunim takes out the word ohel. It's unnecessary, right? You throw it on top of the mace. So we'll say, so therefore it passes over the mace. So we'll say, what's talacha? Tmeya. Ultimately, again, now we'll say, when we say tmeya, what's tmeya in here? What's tmeya in here? What's tmeya in here are the kelim, right? The utensils themselves are going to be tamay. Then munachas, however, again, if the if the if the teva the chest is at rest, then ultimately again tahora. Ultimately, the contents will remain tar. And I will say, what do you see from this? What do you see from this? The fact that the fact that halacha lamaisa when you take so let's play it again. What is the teva in this case? What does the teva represent? An ohel. What is in ohel too? The utensils on the inside, right? So remember again the teva is the ohel, is the structure, so to speak, which houses the utensils. Now we're taking the ohel, we're throwing it over the mace. What did the Gemara say? What's the halacha? The utensils are tameh. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? Ohel zrok lav shmei ohel. That tells you that a movable structure does not have the ability to go ahead and be a barrier in front of Tumah. They both say, who's quoted as being the source of this ruling? Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Huda. So I would say, now I have a problem. Why? Because we just said before, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Huda holds that a movable ohel is in fact considered to be an ohel, and now we're seeing that it's not considered to be an ohel. So what's going on? So it sends us back to the drawing board. Therefore, it has to be that the interpretation of the machlokis that we just espoused is incorrect. Is incorrect. So back to the drawing board. Hello? Okay. 
He'll say 180. So I'll say, and we're going to say like this. In reality, the Tumah of Eretz Ha'amim is in reality Mishum Avira is because of the airspace, the air of Eretz Ha'amim. Again, going back for just a moment. If we say that the Tumah of Eretz Ha'amim is because of Avir, then ultimately, again, what's the nature? Why did Chazal legislate that Tumah? Why did they legislate it? They just didn't want to go to Chazal's. That's it. It's not really about unmarked graves. It's just don't go to Chutzlars. We'll say it's a, it's a shtickle stinging to read these Gemaras. No, like it hurts, uh, it hurts a little bit. You know, we, we, it's so important. And once in a while we do get a reminder that this is not home. And it's, it's important. It's important. As comfortable, Baruch Hashem, as we are, and as happy as we are, and as successful as we are, and as the incredible Torah infrastructure that we have built up, and Baruch Hashem, as privileged as we are to have a galos like the one we have, it's always important every once in a while to, to be reminded that this is not where a Jew belongs. It's not where a Jew belongs. A Jew, a Jew only has one home. That's all. There's only one home. And that home is Eretz Yisrael. And when I say the home, it's not, I mean like, yes, I have my favorite hotel that I stay at in Yerushalayim. That's not it. There's only one home. There's only one home. So it could be, you know, I don't have any imminent plans to get there yet. Okay. Let's say, you know, we said oh, this at Chassidish on Thursday night. Sometimes in life, there are things that I know to be absolutely true, even though I know I'm not going to act on them anytime soon. But in life, it's important to know truths. Truths. So truth, Eretz Yisrael is the home for every single Jew. That is a truth. Now, it could be, I'm not acting on that truth anytime soon. That, that's possible. And, and again, what's the goal? It's just like I'll say, right? We all have things. I know that there are things that are broken inside of me. And I know that they're broken. I know that I have to fix it. What else do I know? What else do I know? I'm not fixing it now. I know it sounds strange to say that kind of stuff. But we all have things like that. I, I'm not fixing it now. I, I know that it's broken. I'm not fixing it now. People have stuff like that in their house, right? It's been broken for a long time. I know that it's broken. I'm not doing it today. I, I said I was going to do it. I know I'm not doing it today, right? So there's things like that in the physical house and things like that in the spiritual house. Things that are broken, I'm just telling you, I'm not fixing it today. But at least I know that it's broken. I would say things in life I know that are true even if I'm not getting around to doing it just yet. So pretty again, so again it's important to be reminded this is not home. It's home for now. It's home for now. But it's a temporary home at most. You know, we'll say, Galos at most is an Ohel Zrok. Right? At most, it's a movable tent. That's all it is. It's a movable tent. It's not even an Ohel Kavai. It's not even an Ohel Kavua. It's an Ohel Zrok. It's good ultimately again for now. But we have to recognize that at the end of the day, it's not where we should be. In any event, Gemara says, Fals, Ella. The Kuli Alma, Mishum Avira. Rather, I say, ultimately, again, the Gemara is doing a 180. And in reality, in reality, the reason why Chazal legislated about Chutzlars is because of Avira, ultimately because of the airspace. So, I now watch this. So, let's go back for just a moment. What we're trying to figure out is the case on the top of Nunhei. So, let's go back for just a second. So, remember, Ruvain is entering into Eretz Amin in a sealed box, right? In a wagon or whatever trunk. So, we'll say, so now, Rebbe says, he's Tomei. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi, Yehuda, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda says, he's not Tomei, right? We're saying, he's Tar. So what's the Machloke? So, so now what we're saying is, everyone agrees, it's the Avir, it's the airspace. 
So the Gemara said, now watch this. So we'll say, here's the interesting machlokas. The interesting machlokas we'll say is like this. Chazal in general, when they went ahead and they made a takana, they made a takana to govern normal circumstances. In, in life, you have what's called a milsa de lo shikha. Milsa de lo shikha means an uncommon occurrence. Whenever you have an uncommon occurrence in general, we say that Chazal's legislation did not extend to such a case. So if I was to suggest, coming into Chutzlars in a box, in a sealed box, is an uncommon occurrence. So therefore again, so therefore again, Rabbi Yosef Yehuda, who says that you're tar, he says Chazal just didn't legislate in this case. So because they didn't legislate in this case, you're going to be tar. Versus again, Rabbi, who says that you're tame, will hold no, Chazal extended their legislation in all cases. And therefore, even in this case, when you come in a box, you're still going to become tame. Okay, incredible. So I saying, what's about Tanya we learned? Hanichnas. Excuse me, Hanichnas. Uh, good. Hanich, I was saying, this price is coming to support what we just said. Hanichnas la'eres am b'shida table migdal tar. If a person comes into Eretz Amin, ultimately again in the carriage, in the trunk, or in the chest, ultimately you're going to be tar. Yet interestingly enough, bikaron, in a wagon, so you'll say, here, here's the difference. See, I, I use the wagon as an example. The reason why these cases of shida, table, migdal are not common examples is because why? They're totally sealed. Right? A wagon, at least the way Chazal talk about a wagon, ultimately is an open wagon. An open wagon. So if a person comes into Eretz Amin, the Shida table, you're going to be tar. The Karon, but if you come in in a wagon, you come in in a boat, or you come in in a masted ship, ultimately again, you're going to be tar. Now, now why the distinction? Because Shida table, Migdal, are, are, are uncommon cases. Because they're uncommon cases, and they also happen to be sealed up, therefore Chazal were not Gozer Tumah in those cases. But in the common cases, like in a wagon, a boat, a ship, those are common cases. They're also open-air cases, and therefore you will be Tumah. So I will say, in this, in this stage of the Gemara, the Gemara is assuming that the Tumah of Eretz HaAmim is a Tumah of Avir, and not a tumma of Gusha. So as soon as you are exposed to ultimately the airspace of Eretz Amim, ultimately again you are going to become Tameh. Dibai says also another possibility is very interesting. Hacha Shema Yotzi Rosho Verubo Lashama Pligi. So it's actually very interesting. It could also be that the machlokis between Rabbi and Rabbi Yossi is whether or not, even in these cases of a sealed structure or a sealed ohel, do we have to be concerned that you will extend your head and the majority of your body outside of the box. Perhaps that's the machlokis over here as well. Ultimately, says that if a person who goes ahead and goes into Eretz Amin, Chutzlaretz, in a Shida table Migdal, Tar, you'll be Tar, Atshi Yotzi Lesham Rosha Orubal. You'll become tar, ultimately, again, until you extend your head and the majority of your body. So let's say just another version of Machlokas. So let's say, so bottom line, bottom line, here's what we know. Right here's what we know. We know, just working backwards, let's go with facts. Fact, if a Nazir ventures into Eretz Ha'amim, what's the impact of that entry into Eretz Ha'amim on his Nazir? What's the impact? 
What's the impact? So minimal. Minimal meaning what? So ultimately, again, it does not go ahead and disrupt his Nazirahs. Now again, we're going to see, Abosa, it is a bit disruptive in that, again, there's some Tara process that will be necessary. But the point over here is it does not cause him to end his Neder Nazirahs and have to restart everything all over again. So we'll say that's ultimately, again, that's fact. Next, what is the nature of the Xera of Eretz Ha'amim? Shabbos says it's important to understand it's a rabbinic tumah. But what machlokis are we left with? The reason for that rabbinic tumah. Is it Mishum Gusha? Is it Mishum Avira? Is it because of unmarked graves? Right? Unmarked graves. Literally, again, we're concerned. You walk into Eretz Ha'amim, you're going to be stepping on a grave. Or ultimately, again, is it Mishum Avira? Just a general airspace issue. Chazal did not want you going into Chutz La'aretz. Shabbos say the nafkamina, the nafkamina between those two approaches, the nafkamina would be, you enter into Eretz Ha'amim in a sealed structure. In a sealed structure. Ultimately, if it's Gusha, then Allah I see your tar. If it's Avira, you could be Tameh. Shabbos say the other machlok, now, again, so what's the resolution? That, that, that really remains unresolved. In other words, that machlokis still stands about the nature of the tomb of Eretz Amin. We'll circle back about that in Eretz Hashem in a little bit, but that machlokis is there. The other machlokis we're introduced to, which is a very interesting machlokis, is about oil's rock, a movable structure. Does a movable structure have the ability to act as a tumma interposition, as a tumma barrier? So I'll say that in and of itself is a machlokis as well, about oil's rock, shmei oil, lo shmei oil, so two major machlokisim. Good, let's go a little bit weiter. Says Gemara, maschil umona. So I'll say, if you remember again, the next piece of the Mishnah, the next piece of the Mishnah was as follows. Was talking about a nazir who contracts tsaras. And what happens in a situation like this if the nazir contracts tsaras? So the Mishnah said that halacha lamaisa, the right, the Lashon of the Mishnah was, um, okay, so just to talk about this just a moment. There are two parts, there are two parts that we're talking about over here. There's what we call bimei sipuro and bimei gamro. So you make gamro, we'll say, are the days that is actually tome. In other words, the days of what we'll call active saras. You may see Puro, the days of his counting, talk about the seven-day purification process, right? Remember again, the Mitzorah undergoes two shavings, one on day one, one on day seven. So you have those days, you may see Puro, the counting days, and you may Gumro, which are the days that is actually tame. So the Mishnah taught us, that Allah those days, right? Those days do not count towards his Nedr Naziros, but neither, neither do they what? Neither do they what? Interrupt. Shabbos say essentially what the Mishnah seems to be saying is, if you're a nausea, if you're a nausea, and you contract saras, essentially what happens? What happens to your Nedr Naziros? Paused. Essentially it's paused. It's paused. Right, so in other words, again, the days will not count, but you don't lose, so we put that, we hit the pause button until you're finished with your, until you, with your saras, then again, unpause, unpause. Is that the right thing? Unpause. Resume. Thank you. Resume, right? Pause, and then you resume your neder nizirus. Good. So it says the Gemara, Amr of Chista, Loshon Ela Benizirus Benizirus Moetas. So this is actually quite interesting. So Rav Chista said, Rav Chista said, ultimately, again, this idea that the days of what we we'll call active tumah, right? The days of active tumah of saras, and the days of counting, the days of purification that those days don't count towards your Nedin Aziros, only refers to what? What we call an Aziros Mo'etas. That was the definition of an Aziros Mo'etas. 
30 days. 30 days. Aval beniziris meruba mislak nami salikle. But say, this is fascinating. Chista's statement is incredible. But Chista says, when do we say that the days of Tumah, but say, the Gemara calls days of Tumah, you may gumro. Right? That's when you're literally again an active mitzorah. When do we say that the days of your Tumah and the days of your counting, day, you may see what days of counting is the days of Tower, the actual purification process. When do we say that those days don't count towards your Nadinazirus? That's only Nazirus Mu'etas, a 30 day Nazirus. But if you are observing a longer term of Nazirus, those days could actually even count towards your Nadinazirus. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. But we'll say, fine, let's go back there. So Gemara says, Master of Sharia. So Rav Sharia says, one second, one second. I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that this is correct. So we'll say, so by the way, if you take a quick look at the Rush for just a moment. So the Rush says, the Rush says, so here's what's interesting. So remember again, Rav Chis is going to say like this. The Mishnah taught me a rule. What was the rule? The rule is that if a Nazir becomes a Mitzorah, so first of all, we hit the pause button on the Nazirus, and the days of Saras do not deconstruct the Nazirus, but they also don't count towards the Nazirus. Rav Chis qualifies this rule. He says, when is that true? Only if it's a short 30-day Nazirus. But if it's longer than 30 days, then the days of Tumah and the days of counting can actually count towards Nizirus as well. This comes on Rav Sharbiyah, Master Rav Sharbiyah. How could that be? Maschil umona miyad ve'ein mevatel b'hanes akodmin. So remember, Rav Sharbiyah is quoting the Mishnah. What did the Mishnah say? If a Nazir who becomes a Mitzorah, when he finishes, when he finishes his Saras, he goes ahead and Maschil umona miyad, he begins to write the count of his Nizirus immediately afterwards. And the Nazirus in no way negates, right, negates the days counted up until that point. So Shavya says, Bimai, what's the case of the Mishnah? If you're talking about a 30-day Nazirus, here's what I will say. Here's the problem. It can't be, it can't be that the Mishnah is talking about a 30-day Nazirus. Why I will say, let's play this out for just a moment. Let's play this out. Right? Ruben becomes a Nazir. Right, it starts to take on Nazir. So we'll say, what happens? Play this out. Ten days in, he becomes a Mitzorah. Okay, so we'll say, let's assume for a moment, assume for a moment, he has Saras for a week, then he has another week of, of Tumah. So what does the Mishnah say? Hit the pause button. Two weeks are done. So we'll say, now what does the Mishnah say? He can resume his Nazirus. So we'll say, when is the Nazirus going to be over? Right, how many more days does he have in, on his Nazirus? 20. So is, is his Nazirus going to be over in 20 days? No, why not? I will remember again, in order to conclude a Nezir Nazirus, you need a minimum of 30-day hair growth. Part of the concluding process of his Tara, Fort Saras, is what? Shaving. Which means when he enters into the last leg, the last 20 days of his Nezir Nazirus, he, he, in other words, there's only 20 days left of his Nazirus, but he needs at least 30 days of hair growth, which by definition means that what? His Nazirus is going to automatically be extended what? Another 10 days. So therefore, again, so Shavya says, what's the Mishnah's case? It can't be Nazirus Mu'etas, just a 30 day, because that's simply not true. Even though technically he only has 20 days left on his Nazirus term, he's going to have to observe at least another 30 because he needs the hair growth. 
Ella, rather I will say, what? I'm a base. But say, tell me it is not the best feeling in the world, right? To turn the page and you see this, like, oh, I got this, right? I got this under control. I say, it's going to be a good week. And so let's do this. El Alav, El Alav, Benaziris Maruba. So it was rather, the Mishnah must be talking about a prolonged Naziris. I both say, now what's the definition of a prolonged Naziris? Take a look, take a look. So El Alav, Benaziris Maruba, Vekatani, Maschil Umona Miyad. So we'll say, so take a look, take a look at Rashi for just a moment over here. Rashi says, So we'll say, okay, in the case of Nizirus Muruba, now both say, what's the definition for our purposes of a Nizirus Muruba? What's the definition? The definition would be a term of Nizirus, where after he's finished with his Saras, he has at least what? At least what? At least 30 more days. At least 30 more days. Now look at Rashi. Shavia is highlighting is like this. The case of the Mishnah must be a case of at least a 30, it must be more than 30 days. It's more than 30 days. Because I want to say, otherwise the Mishnah doesn't make sense. Because remember again, how does the Mishnah illustrate the law of the Nazir? Of the Nazir contracts Saras. He says like the Mishnah says like this, Ruvain is a Nazir, contracts Saras. As a Mitzorah, as a Mitzorah, we're going to see you actually have three potential periods of time as a Mitzorah. The first period, which we're not discussing right now, is the time where you have a blush, but you're not sure if it's Saras or not. We're not dealing with that right now. But we're focusing on two periods of time. You make Gumro and you make Sefiro. So you make Gamro are the days when you're actually a Matsora, right? Active Saras, and then you make, and you make, you make Sefiro where you are counting the days of your purification process. That's really what we are hyper-focused on right now. So we'll say, so now watch this. What does our Mishnah say? Those days, you hit the pause button on your Nezilus, right? Go through the process. When that process is over, you could resume your Nezirus and count the rest of your Nezirus. Rav Sharviyah demonstrates that it must be that we're talking about a Nezirus Maruba, where there's at least what? At least what? At least 30 more days left on your Nezirus. It has to be that way. Because you need a minimum of 30 day growth. It has to be that way. But what we'll say, Rav Sharviyah says is, but what do you do see from the Mishnah? Clear from the Mishnah that the days of Saras do not count towards the completion of the Nebuchadnezzar Nezirus. So I will say, who does that contradict? That contradicts Rav Because Rav said, Rav said, when do we hit the pause button? It's only on a Nezirus Muatas, but on a Nezirus Merubah, we will go ahead and count the days of Tzara'as as well. Rav Sharia successfully proves that what? That Allah the Mishnah is talking about a, a, a prolonged Nezirus, and yet still what? The days, sorry, a prolonged, a prolonged Nezirus, and yet still the days of Tzara'as do not count towards your Nadine Zeros. So I will say, Sharia successfully lodges a Kasha on Rav Chista, to which the Gemara says, Who most of law? Boom of So he raised the question, he answers it. So I will say, could very well be, we're talking about what kind of case? Benaziros bas chamishim yom. Well, say, maybe the Mishnah is talking about the following case. A Bagai was in for 50 days. The yacht, where, what are we talking about? Well, it's actually the way we illustrate the example. The Yosef Esrin, maybe the case is where he observed 20 days of his Nazirus, this Yalda Beit Saras, 
and ultimately again he goes ahead and develops signs of tzaras, megalech tzaras. So, so I'll say in this case the beauty of it is that what even if you pause the ned in azir, so I'll say what happens. Vahadar yasiv tlasin yomin dinazir toha isle gidul seyar. So I'll say could very well be that this is the case of the Mishnah. The case of the Mishnah could be a guy who's a nazir for fifty days. Now I'll say here's the beauty. What happens if you're a nazir for fifty days? Right, so again, 20 days in, you develop Saras, hit the pause button, go through your process of Saras, and then when you hit resume, what happens? I'm saying, you have 30 more days. Take a quick look at the rush for just a moment. So the Gemara says it's like this. It could very well be that this is the case of the Mishnah. The Mishnah is illustrating a very specific case of a case of where what? Of where? Of where Tzara'as does not deconstruct what you've observed up until this point in time, but also allows you to still have 30-day minimal growth. So I will say, if you have this particular type of case of a 15 zeros and you become Mitzorah 20 days in, that's a case where everyone will agree that what? The days of your tsaraas will not count towards your Nadina Zeros. Why? Because since you have exactly 30 days left, and since 30 is what? 30 is what? The minimum number of days you need anyway, that's a case where everyone will agree that the days of your tsaraas do not count towards your Naziris. However, perhaps Dr. Chista is driving out of us, look at the rush, Aval, Banazem Ruba, Kigon Shinadar Peyo. I agree, I agree. If all you have is a 50-day Nazirus, and you developed, and you developed Saras 20 days in, Saras says, hit the pause button on the Nazirus, and again, the, the days of Saras will not count towards your Nazirus. Why? Why? Because Lamai say again, you're going to need a minimum of 30 days anyway after you finish with your saras. I will say, what is Rechista coming to add? Rechista, I'm talking about a case like this. I will say, imagine the following situation. Imagine you took on an Ezra Zeros for 80 days. For 80 days. I'm an Ezra for 80 days. You can do that. I will say, now watch this. Now you go ahead and you contract saras 20 days in. So I will say, so now remember again, when that whole saras process is finished, how many days do you have left? 60. Rav Chista would say, excellent, by the way, excellent, right? Excellent, right? Rav Chista would say, Rav Chista would say, in that case, in that case, I hold that Saras, the days of Saras, could count towards the Nedin Nazirus. Why, Rav say? Why? Because since on the back end of the Nazirus, you already have more than enough days to cross the minimum threshold, he holds in that situation the days of Saraska count as well. So we'll say, isn't that fascinating? Isn't that fascinating? So we'll say, what we have over here is as follows. Obviously, in a case, in a case of Nazirus Mo'etas, of a 30-day Nazirus, and you contract Saras somewhere in the middle, everyone will agree that, of course, again, see, we'll say, that case is not really going to be a very helpful case. Why not? Because Lamaisa, since you're doing a shaving for Saras in the middle of the Nadi Nazirus, even though, again, we're not going to make you lose the days that you've observed up until that point. It's somewhat immaterial. Why? Because after you conclude your taras, by definition, you have to observe 30 days because you need 30 days of hair growth. So that's not the case in question. The case in question is Naziris Maruba. When you have more, and I will say it really turns out 
when you have a longer Nedin Azirus. So when you have a longer Nedin Azirus, Rabbi say where? On the back end of this, when I say the back end of this is, after you complete your Tzaras process, you have more than 30 days anyway left. Can you count the days of Tzaras as part of the tally or not? This is where Rav is saying, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Since anyway on the back end, you have more than enough to satisfy the 30-day threshold, I hold that halacha lamaisa, you can go ahead and count the days of Saras towards your Naziros as well. Incredible. So the Gemara says as follows. So the Gemara says, five, so, five, Good, which is that? Good. We'll say second class line from the bottom. We'll say, let's go a little bit weiter. We'll say, here the Gemara is going to introduce an incredibly difficult case, which we are not going to get into the specifics now, because we're actually going to do this sugi a little bit later on. Masiv Rami Bar Chama. listen to this case. Nazir, Shahaya Tamei Besafek Umuchlat. Umuchlat Besafek. Shahaya Tamei Besafek Tamei Besafek Umuchlat Besafek. So we'll say, now look at the rush for just a moment. I just want to show you the beginning of the rush. The Rosh says, Safek in Nitma here's the guy, right? He's a Nazir. Come Ruben. Ruben is a Nazir. Then what happens? There's a Safek in Nitma We're not sure. Did he come in contact with the corpse? The Safek in Humitsora Mukhlat. There's also a Safek if he's an actual Mitsora. Bad day. Really bad day. Right? So we'll say, so again, this guy, so again, one, the one thing we know for sure is he's a Nazir. And we'll say, two Safekas he has now devolved upon him. Suffolk if he came in contact with a corpse, and Suffolk if he is a Mitzorah Mukhlat, a definitive Mitzorah. Now, how exactly you have a Suffolk if you're a definitive Mitzorah is a different, I guess I will say, we're not going to get into this over here because I just want to get you to the bottom line of this. But here's the case. So I'll say, top of Nunvav, Ochel Bekachim La'achar Shishim Yom, Vishow Siyayinu Metamil Amesim La'achar Me'ev Esim Yom. So I will say, when you go through all the different stakes and all the different possibilities, it turns out, he can only eat kachim after 60 days and drink wine and become tamalism ayyad and is over after 120 days. That's when you balance all the different sekas. The Tani Allah, and what we said about this, when is this true? Beneziris mu'etas. That's only true if you undertook a 30 day naziris. Aval beneziris bas shala. But for example, what happens if you undertook a naziris for a year? In that case, we'll say, listen to this. Ochel kachim, the achar shanim. He can only eat consecrated items after two years. And he can only become Tamil Mesim, is only over after four years. Now I will say, why is all this important for us? And if you assume that the days of Tzara'as should count towards the tally of the Naziros, then the Gemara says it should shorten everything. So the Gemara says, Tiski shanim yom. Ultimately, again, it should be enough if he observes three days, three years, right? Ultimately, again, and then 30 days. So I will say, again, like I said, we're not getting into the specifics of that. The point that the Gemara is highlighting over here is, Rav Chista, you seem to be wrong. So I will say, we're going to stop over here today in the Gemara, in the Sugya, we're going to do, we're going to do a little bit of Shara B'Tachlan, which is going to be incredible and beautiful and excellent. And guys, so I will say, so I just want to point out what we're leaving off with. Right? So I will say, ultimately, again, we're leaving off with, at the end of the day, what? We're leaving off with Halacha Lamaisa Rav Chista, right? The position of Rav Chista, and Rav Chista's position ultimately again is that Halacha Lamaisa, when you have an extended Nizirus, oh, sorry, extended, yeah, extended Nizirus, 
the days of your tzara'as ultimately go ahead and count towards. The Mishnah teaches me that tzara'as does not stare, right? Saras does not deconstruct that which you've observed up until this point. The point that Rav is trying to introduce us to is that Saras Halacha Lamaisa goes ahead and can actually count towards, can actually count towards Nazirus when it is a Nazirus Merubah, when it is an extended Nazirus. And I will say whether or not that is true, whether or not passing on the Halacha Lamaisa, Emir Hashem, we will say, I will say again, we're going to see that the, the sugya that we just did over here is actually sugya on Muntes, on 59b. So we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to see that sugya. We'll give it its due time over here. Here it's really just being brought up, mamish, as just a, a contradiction to Rav Chista. We'll say, we'll say resolution tomorrow. Shkoya. Okay, we'll say, let's, let's go weiter. A little bit in Shara Bitochen.